This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 57. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Goudreau. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is Session 57 you're listening to, brought to you by our friends over at Gearsluts.com, Audio Technica, Focal Monitors, and Universal Audio. Got a great show for you today. I've got, for the first time in Working Class Audio history, I have on two guests at the same time, and they happen to be brothers. I'm talking about the Polici brothers, Ian and Jay, who now are over at New Improve Recording, uh, which you may know that name from uh, former WCA uh, interviewee Eli Cruz. Although Eli is in Brooklyn, uh, they are in a partnership with Eli in that studio. So we'll be visiting the Polici brothers over there. And, and if you have followed their career at all, they used to be over at Tiny Telephone for many years. And then, then they kind of uh, got together with Eli to kind of have their own place that uh, was uniquely theirs. And so they have been doing a lot of work there. They were booked up quite a bit, which is really great to see. They've done a lot of very, uh, very cool records with bands like uh, Sleater Kinney, The Family Crest, uh, Death Cab for Cutie. Let's see, who else? I've got a few here. John Vanderslice, actually. And uh, Birds and Batteries, Magic, Magic Orchestra, Rogue Wave. Yeah, a lot of very cool people that they've worked with. So the Polici Brothers coming up here shortly. Want to mention to you, if you are going to be at the NAMM show, uh, if you will come by the Focal booth on Thursday, January 21st, between 2 and 3.30, uh, the Focal booth is number 7113. That's between Hall A and the arena. I will be interviewing Mr. Jim Scott in front of a live audience. That's right. Uh, Jim's worked with the Rolling Stones, Wilco, the Dixie Chicks, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's got a huge list. Tom Petty. He runs Plier's Studio. Uh, which is his own private place uh, in Southern California. So um, stop on by, check it out, come say hello. Uh, come say hello to me, say hello to Jim. Watch us talk about what we typically talk about on the Working Class Audio Podcast. That's going to be here like like really quick. What we're going to end up doing is recording that show and then putting it out the following week. So if you are not coming to NAM, That'll be an opportunity for you to still hear what we talked about. So we're not leaving you out in the cold. We'll uh, we'll capture that. We'll put it out uh, the following week after NAM. So you can uh, you could still be a part of it. But if you are going to be there, I think it'd be kind of fun seeing it in front of a live audience. And hopefully, uh, I'll do a good job. I won't stumble. And it, it's going to be odd, like being in front of people for that kind of a thing. So there it is, January twenty first at the Focal booth, number seven one one three between Hall A and the arena. So make sure and stop by. That's it. Um, I think we need to jump right into the interview with the Polici brothers, so I'm not going to waste any time today. It's raining here in Northern California, which you can hear it kind of a bit. Uh, it's not much. Anyhow, it's raining. It's great. I'm happy about that. For once, I'm happy about rain because, of course, our drought, you know, Northern California has a drought. So let's, uh, let's get right into it, huh? With the Polici brothers here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. We're here at New and Improved with the Polici brothers. Am I pronouncing Polici? Is that that's, yeah, that's, that's correct? correct. Yeah. Exactly. Ian and Jay, younger, older, older, younger. I'm I'm the older guy. Yeah, in two years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, where did you guys grow up? For the most part, in Fremont. Yeah. Yeah. I was born. Well, Jay was born in Hong Kong. 
and uh, I was born in Winnipeg, and uh, we lived in Winnipeg uh, till 84, 85. Mm. Then um, our, yeah, then we moved down to... My dad was part of the first, uh, like, Silicon Valley tech wave. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, like the hardware tech wave. Hardware, hardware designer. And so he applied for a job and we came out here for, like, a vacation and then got hired and then and they moved us down and everything. And now you're here. And now we've been here. Obviously, since. this is a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, you know, drag you through, you know, childhood or anything like that. So let's actually start with like right now. Like what's like what's going on right now? So we're in New and Improved, which some of the listeners will recognize the name and go, oh, isn't that associated with Eli Cruz? Mm-hmm. What's that set up now? How does that work with Eli being in Brooklyn? or wherever he is in New York. Yeah, it's it's set up just as like an equal partnership. And so like the day-to-day, I suppose like uh, Ian and I and, and John uh, Finkbeiner, the other owner, uh, to deal with that stuff and any like major, any purchase things and improvements as far as like or aesthetic changes or just an email. Hey guys, what do you think about this? Sounds great, do it. Or, you know, or then yeah. discuss, you know. How is that? Because my experience with co-op type studio management has been always challenging it's like well we would paint the bathroom but nobody can agree on a color yeah no yeah. totally i mean that I mean yeah. that certainly happens it's just like yeah. different dudes with different tastes you know and like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's actually been like shockingly smooth i mean for having like four guys having to make a bunch of decisions about different shit it's like huh yeah it's it's been remarkably easy um there there have been a few things here and there where it's like nope i i like this and i will not I will not let go of that or, you know, some party, it's kind of rotating, uh, role of stubborn person. You nah. pick your battles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Stuff totally. you really feel passionate about. Yeah. What about gear responsibilities? I mean, there's a lot of great gear in this room. So how do you, is it's, there a, a, a written rule or? No, nah, there's this, I think it's just whoever gets to it, you know? And like, and I think, diff- and I think also because there's like, well, since Eli's in Brooklyn, he's, here maybe a total of about well it's only been a year since Ian and I have been part of the studio and and so um in that year um he's probably been here for maybe about a month out of the year maybe six weeks yeah I would say uh, yeah that about a month and so of course most of that is up to Ian and John and I and but since we're you know three different people we have our different favorites of things to use and so I think usually what ends up happening is if something's broken like (laughs) If it's something that you really like, you just like you take it on yourself to like yeah, to get it fixed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, as far as like, is there a written rule about who brings what gear to the table, or is it just we just decided to uh, keep it all separate? It was just easy. Like yeah. so, like um, anything that we had, we still like were we have a little more gear than this, and some of it was redundant with with the console now. So so it's like we don't need to these X seventy threes anymore because like there's. 1073s and a bunch of 33114s on the console. So we don't need to put that in the rack. Right. But, you know, that makes but, sense. you know, like what's very different are uh, the Millennia or GML or any of the tube stuff. And so, like, it was just getting together at first and figuring out what stuff we were willing to not put in the racks that either we were used to or John was used to. Mm-hmm. And, and luckily, there's um, enough rack space where we can actually fit most of it in. So, yeah. And there was a, a um, uh, an Einstein, an Amec Einstein in here mm-hmm. before. When you guys came in, 
I mean, did you just immediately say, hey, we have a lead on an, on a Neve? Pretty much, yeah. Can we, was Eli open to, I assume Eli was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we even talked before that the partnership was, um, before that deal was sealed, we were talking about, you know, just bullshitting and talking about the possibilities of like what we can do. And we were talking about this Neve that ended up going to figure eight where Eli's working now. We're like, oh, well, we could do it. It's like a, it's like, a hundred K or something and split four ways. It's like, it's probably doable. Maybe, mm. I don't know, but, but, um, luckily this came along and it was, uh, yeah, yeah, much better. So was this Neve purchase? Was this, uh, just for the, did you two make it or did everybody make it? The special thing about this console is that it's not a purchase. It's just a loan. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well it's it's double edged of course because Yeah, sure. This thing's incredible. I mean, it's I mean, it's a it's like an, it's an old broadcast Neve and yeah. um our our friend uh Mike Johnson, he he had a studio in uh in Los Angeles called Lawnmower. Um he worked with Dan Alexander for a, a long time and over and did sessions at, at the Old Coast on uh Harrison or Mission Harrison and maybe Mission. Okay, and so he, at some point in his years working with with Dan, like bought this console, but it needed to be totally restored, like rewired, and and mm -hmm. so I think he spent several years like working on it in his spare time. Then eventually got Gary Kreiman to help him with some of it. I guess when he when he put it into a studio in in L.A. Then it was sitting over at uh, at Kevin Inks' place for oh yeah, it was for like ten years, something like that. And I'd, I'd worked on this like. Once or twice, like probably seven years ago or something like that, and and so uh, at some point we were talking with Mike. It's like I have this console that that needs a new home because I, I don't know where people get Neves from. Everybody has <laughs> Neves, but like, but so Kevin Inc has a another Neve that's like an old like uh, broadcast it's, it's series. Like the size of this, I think it's portion. like I think it's like a Kelso or something. Okay, but it's about the size of that section over there. And so he's like, this console's way too big for me. I only use the side. Can you get it out of here? So Mike was like, hey, we, I needed to find a new home for my for my uh, console. Do you, do you know anybody that might want to? And we're like, uh, uh, yeah. It was it was kind of <laughs> yeah. The timing of it was was impeccable. Yeah. Wow, that's I uh, love hearing that. No, so well, <laughs> yeah. so but what we're doing is we're like uh, um, helping him restore the console. So it's like going through and like. You know, changing the plessies out to Elko's, which was like you know about a week of work, just like flipping it up, and really it was I, I was really nervous about it because you know like the stuff that's actually on the cables that go to the patch bay. If you fuck it up, it's not that big of a deal. But like the stuff that's wired, the actual rewiring is like it's yeah. so short. It was never meant to be Ugh. rewired, so so you just have to be really careful with it. You're more brave than I am. I'd be like. Oh, oh no, no, we we weren't brave. Mike was. Yeah. One. It's like, hey, we're gonna do this, and we're like, okay, I guess oh, okay. That's that's the the price. If that's a toll for the Neve, then so be it. Yeah, you know? yeah for sure. So uh, I was here a number of years ago. Eli had it, a different kind of layout, different console, you know. And obviously, when you bring in a couple new guys with different aesthetic, now with him in New York and you guys here, obviously you spend more time here, so. It, Pretty clear to me that you you made some some improvements and and really uh, made some aesthetic changes. It looks great. Thank you. Um, when you came in, did you just say, "Hey, we got to do like a wholesale like redo here"? It, 
Like, how did you approach that without rubbing Eli wrong? Because You know, I I think if I remember correctly, it was the sort of thing where when we decided we were going to put this Neve in, it was then asked, like, well, the carpet was all fucked up. And oh, like that, it was a huge bald spot right over here. So, it was just, <laughs> so we we just said, well, if, we're, if we ever want to redo this room, give it a facelift, that's basically the only time it can happen. You know, when the console is out, when it's shut down, you know, for that changeover, just tack on an extra week or something to that closure. So, so yeah, we... So, yeah, yeah we had with a bunch of emails and conversations about like, well, what, what do we want to do? And... And so it was, well, can we get rid of the gray fabric? And it's just a gray carpet and gray fabric. It was just so much gray. And like, yeah. Um, yeah. No matter how bright it was, it felt like, like overcast. A, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. super cozy in here now. Cool. Makes me yeah. want to hang out in here and make records. Yeah, we figured that the classic burlap is, you know, it's been done. It, it works. It, What's it's be- known. Behind the burlap is, is compressed fiberglass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then uh, beyond that, it's just, I mean, that center block behind there, and that's uh, drywall behind that one. Yeah, There's resilient not... channel, and yeah, and you've got, and we'll we'll show some footage of this, but you essentially you have a live room here that's more of a dead live room, yeah. and a more live live room, mm-hmm. as well as an ISO booth. Accommodating a band in here must be pretty easy, actually. It's pretty. It is yeah. actually pretty. And you've got some amp lockers, which definitely helps. You could probably get a solid five people playing in here without a problem. And I know uh, John. Does a a bunch of uh, like um, ensemble stuff? Yeah, there. and he he fits a crazy amount of people in there, like seven, ten people. Wow! And like you know, two uprights and you know, drummer and vibraphones and, and how many horn players? I don't know. <laughs> and like uh-huh. it's and you, you can make it work. Is you know? this yeah. for you guys? I mean, I know you spent prior to this, you spent many years working out of Tiny Telephone Studio A and B mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Is this the first studio that you guys have had as brothers as kind of like your own business yeah. venture? No, it's a, yeah. our very, very first. Yeah. How, how does that dynamic work between the two of you? Because I know that <laughs> I think I would go crazy if I was in business with one of my brothers. It's Is that awesome? really easy? Yeah, it's super easy. I think we're in the unusual position of of being best friends. So like somehow we never got into a lot of fights when we were growing up and – Somehow have similar interests and <laughs> and I, I followed this guy into <laughs> into the uh, into the recording industry and uh, when I was sixteen so <laughs> yeah I think I started interning at studios right when I finished high school and so like I guess we were just too stubborn to stop and like, huh. on a day to day basis it's great I mean we even before this happened we were always like we just talk about this stuff all the time. Like, oh, what do you think about this thing? Have you tried using this mic on this thing? Or what about this compressor with this combination? Or when we got here, none of that changed. The only thing that we had to talk about then was like, oh, coffee. How do we, where do we get coffee from? Uh, what about supplies for this or that? You know, the stupid stuff. The day, day to day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And like, oh, we're out of masking tape. Okay. Whatever stupid stuff like that. But other, you know, it's been, it's been extremely easy. I'd say the, the the only time there's there's actually been like a lot of tension is like when we we're actually doing uh, the facelift in here oh, and the wiring, God. and we were just working <laughs> so much. And like, glad we, I wasn't here to see that. Yeah, uh, dude, like we we get along super great all the time, except for that period where we were just like, we really hated each other. That's no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've done it. That is not fun work. 
no, at all. When you have fiberglass fibers floating in the air and you're, it's hot, sweaty. And, and, and we some, were doing like a hundred plus hours a week too. We were like, here all the time and also felt a ton of pressure because uh, Eli and John both trusted us enough to like do a bunch of stuff and like to, to basically like demo their fucking control room. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and like for us, it was like, well, we need to spend money to get this. Like, fuck, we're spending too much money. Oh my God, it's taking like we're at, at a month. Like, was it all your money or did they contribute it? If I may ask, um, what did we do? We ended up contributing. It was like we knew it was going to be all pulled in together at the okay, end. And okay. so yeah. it's like it was not only the factor of us spending money, but it's like we're spending money, other like their money as well. And right. like, yeah, that, that actually came out of this came out of pocket. That's what it was. And then for our buy in to the, to the studio, it was just leveraged against yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was just leveraged against that. So. Okay. So, oh, so to get into the studio, you, you agreed as like the new guys in town. Exactly. Or, we were or, buying, we were buying. Yeah, a to, to be of like equal each. partners, somebody that, you know, like okay. spent, you know, 12 years building up this place and putting all the work in, like what was an agreeable amount of money to like be all equal and on the same page with everything. So, was there ever disagreement about names uh, of the studio, or did you ever talk no. about renaming, or just kind of keeping with the new improved name? There, there was no discussion. I, I don't think it was like. I don't think it made makes sense. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been here for for twelve, thirteen years, and and you know, it's a known a known studio. So yeah, why throw people for a loop? You know. I always ask the the guest this because I'm always interested in the personal approach on some of the business side of things. Like, mm. do you individually have, or do you have a shared view, an economic policy with yourselves about how much money you put into gear and versus some people like will go into great debt for gear and pile a lot of stuff on credit cards. And some people are opposed to that. Do you ever feel like, oh, we got to put the brakes on? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say we're somewhere in between there. Like, for the longest time, we never were in any debt. We would we'd only buy stuff if we could afford it. And our apartment's just a small TL apartment that we got 10 years ago. So it's like our disposable is pretty good at the end of the month, even though we, like, on paper, we don't make a ton of money. But, like, but a lot of that actually can is good for was like play money. So if I'm reading you yeah. right, it seems like you're trying. You keep your expenses pretty low. Yeah, and you're in, in your outside. Oh, absolutely. This, yeah. this is basically yeah. where all our money goes. It has forever. I mean, like even before this, it's like, well, it'd be really nice to have a this, couch. This or that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, we'll that we'll IKEA get couch to- is looking pretty nice. Uh, yeah, like, we'll we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, everything. Yeah, this is, it's been kind of a, uh, well, I guess not kind of, it has been an obsession, you know, being, being part of a studio or, or now ownership in in the studio and just having the gear and just, you know, general gear lust. So, um, so that's, that, yeah, just causes us to prioritize what we want to get, um, outside of (laughs) maximize, you know, maximize, um, do you feel like you make great sacrifice outside of the studio to accommodate your studio equipment desires or, or goals? Most of the time, not actually. Okay, I feel like pretty like I don't want to make I don't I don't want to be uncomfortable. You know? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sure. And yeah. Uh, you know, there's been times like you know if if there's ever those periods where you're like working nonstop for like twenty thirty days, then that happens a couple times a year. Then you can put away a pretty good chunk of change to like oh yeah. I'm 
let's get a I don't know, fill in the blank. Something fill in the like, blank, yeah. Something that's expensive. <laughs> uh, do either of you have uh, families, kids, or? No, no. Okay. No, no we're living as cheaply as yeah, one so can. Yeah, like, exactly. wow. so there's like, exactly. Wow. Okay, so you're just accountable to yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's It's the only way we could even, it would be so <laughs> oh, off yeah, the yeah. table. Oh, yeah. Any other, like, our rent situation was different. Like, we had kids. It would be, all this would be a different story completely. It would be a very different yeah. story. Yeah. Interesting. You spent a long time at Tiny Telephone and piled up a fair amount of work and credits there and credibility. So do you feel like that that credibility spills over into here now and people reach out to find you here? Uh, I never know how to answer that when people say that I have credibility because I'm like, (laughs) I I just, I don't. Well, I, mean, I don't know how to how to even gauge that, you know? I mean, I guess your names are associated with, we'll just call it uh, Darlings of the Indie World Records kind of thing. So I would assume that and, – and also your, your past association with Tiny, people just kind of go, oh, I want one of those guys because they I, it have d- – It doesn't hurt. I think yeah. it certainly helps, you know? It's yeah. like I know there's bands that I've met through Tiny that are still like – that still will work with me because – they liked working with me. So yeah. Yeah. you do two, three records with a band, they're probably going to be interested in, especially if you're just 10 miles away, you know? Mm-hmm. It's been pretty cool having that. And I'm sure that this answer is, will probably be different, or maybe not, but your mindset when you're making a record with somebody, can you just shut out the outside world and really get in deep with those artists and burn the midnight oil? Or it's kind of a two-part question. It's like kind of how long of a day can you stand versus, you know, your availability. Neither of you have anybody else you're responsible for. So, I mean, you could essentially be here for hours upon hours, but when do you turn into a pumpkin and and when do you just kind of go, okay, I got to walk away. I can't can't make any more impact on your record today. I would say it's project to project. I mean, like there's some some things where there's enough time or people still want to work 12, 13 hours. And at that point, if I feel like we're on a good schedule – there's no real reason to like work that long. I, I like 10, 11 hours is usually my normal normal day for me. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, like I don't want to burn out. I don't and, like I don't and I don't think it's like useful for people to be recording for like 13 or 14 hours and yeah. Of course if there's a deadline that needs to happen and it's like like expectations aren't unreasonable or if there's unforeseen like circumstances then of course it's like you just work till it gets done and sometimes it's a brutal day and Mixing is another thing too, you know, sometimes if you're in the studio mixing yeah. and you have to get, you know, X amount of songs per day and that's and that's the budget and that's everything then. On a daily basis, just kind of breaking things down a bit so other people have a sense of like, oh, this is how these guys work. Well, obviously you charge per day for the studio. The mm-hmm. studio yeah. is how much per day? Uh, 250. 250. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So then you guys charge for yourselves on top of that mm-hmm. by the day. When it comes to mixing, how do you structure that? Do you just work by the day or? Yeah, yeah. If we're booking studio time, then then I charge by the day. But I mean, you know, like we all have home mixing systems of some kind. And and if it's anywhere that's not like a proper studio, then then there's a lot of flexibility. And, and I'm pretty open to like making it work best as I can, you know. So, do you ever... You talk about a home home mix rig. I mean, do you ever like go home and, and start mixes and get them all prepped and then bring them here to kind of finalize them, or how does that work? Or vice versa, you know? Oh. Yeah, do as much as you can here when the client's here, and and um, well, when the client's here or not, whatever they choose, and um, 
yeah, just get things going and then just do the, you know, do the small tweaks, you know, the, the things that just really kill studio time, you know, when you're like, oh, that one backing vocal is just too whatever, you know, or that one, you know, yeah, whatever it is. And you just like, you're basically there and then you spend another one or two hours on these little little details that you can just like hammer out at home without the overhead and without losing another song that day, you know? Mm -hmm. And obviously that is kind of based around an in-the-box style workflow, I assume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you ever tag team sessions? Do you ever work together on sessions? Sometimes, yeah. It doesn't... Not too often these days, but when it does happen, it's it can be really fun. It can also be really challenging. Yeah. So when we first started recording, like, you know, both of us didn't really, of course, didn't have much work each, like, this, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. Uh-huh. And so... If I got a session or if Ian got a session, we'd both be there because we would be in the studio. <laughs> like, pay one price, you get two polichis. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and so for like the first couple of years, like that's kind of how we would roll. And so, like in my mind, that's always like, oh yeah, that was really easy. And but it's been like a solid ten years or more since we've actually worked together regularly. So when we actually do, it's like. Oh wait, we're both trying to do the same fucking thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. like, it's always like the first day or so is like, like we're kind of at odds a little bit, and then like, and that's like, okay, let's let's devise a plan that's a little more cohesive than just you know working it out in the studio, and then it, then it's totally smooth and great after that. So, hmm. as far as the the Bay Area recording scene and and the amount of work you get, when I walked in, you I was complimenting you on the studio and and talked about how business was and I, I forgot the number you said but you're booked out like how far in advance like for the past pretty much year it's been at least a month month to six weeks wow yeah, yeah. that's pretty good yeah uh, it's, i'm surprised <laughs> and yeah. what is that comprised of in terms of artists is that out-of-town people in-town people mostly local i mean it's who have we gotten that's out of town maybe like three or four Maybe three or four clients. Yeah, something like that. Something like, yeah, not a whole lot. It's mostly just you know either return clients, or you know people that just well actually no, it's mostly return clients for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you, do you do the whole like fifty percent deposit thing on holding time or no? We do the the hundred dollars a day. Okay. Yeah. Kind of kind of a bleed over from your days at Tiny. Yeah, exactly. totally. And that, and then actually, I think even before we were here, this um, the studio had the policy of a hundred dollars a day, which I think is is a bleed over from Tiny. Regardless. Yeah. So, yeah. In terms of styles of music, do you guys differ as far as what you listen to and what you record, like from each other? Yeah. Like, mm. are you like one kind of music and you're like, not so much? I mean, I couldn't say specifically what any differences are between the two of us, although there certainly are differences. I mean, if I was a band, like, what, and I worked with you individually, what would I discern as, well, you know, I worked with Ian, and he was like this, and I worked with Jay, and he was That's like That's an excellent question. Like, I, I, I'd huh. be really curious, stylistically, or approach. I would actually be curious if somebody was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like so much of it's just like, well, you could hire Ian, you could hire me, about the same thing. Yeah. Which I, I don't know if it's probably not true at all, but like. Because we're such good friends and because we've done all this stuff together, I feel like we're no we perspective. We just on kind that. of attack yeah. things. At least I think we attack things the same way, but mm -hmm. I actually probably yeah. think it's probably not, though. Yeah. I mean, actually, what I was mixing when you got here, that was that was recorded by both of us. I started the project and then they wanted to book time. They wanted to finish stuff up, but I was on tour and I was like, hey, I know a guy that can. <laughs> <laughs> 
I happen to know somebody who's got a similar aesthetic to me. <laughs> yeah. Happens to work out of the same place. I want to just, I, I don't really delve too deeply into um, gear on the show, but I, I would love just a little bit of history or information about this Neve. From anybody watching on YouTube, they would see that there's two consoles side by side, but these are actually one console. Mm -hmm. How does that work? It was originally built for um, a TV station in Los Angeles, and I think originally I would assume that their control room was very small, which is why they needed it split up into two separate frames. Mm -hmm. And this section here was didn't exist. It was a, a like a producer panel or something like that. Okay. And so then um, Mike like like ripped it out and decided to put in another eight channels of of pre's and stuff like that, and so. That happened after the, the frame fact. existed to the, do it, that? It did exist, but it just was like, you know, a bunch of blank panels, I think. And okay. Like where you put your notepads and the coffee cup and whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the only Neves I've seen that has such a comprehensive routing section. I mean, at least old Neves. It has 10 auxes, which... Which are all individual switches and pots, which is like really unusual. Switchable between pre and post? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Wow. Usually it's like four or six, you yeah. know? And then, like, or like at a lot of them, like the one that Eli has, like the one that JV had in, in Studio A at Tiny, it's, you know, you have one pot controlling the level to two different, or to, to like say aux one and two. So you have both of them sending the same thing. So this thing's really an oddball in that way. And it also has 16 buses and it's pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Direct yeah. outs on every channel as well. Yeah. Even on the monitor side. And then, so there's uh, thir uh, uh, 40 on this side on, yeah. the, on the input, and then uh, that's just 16 channels of monitor. Then there's um, five, five 1073s yeah. with direct outs. Uh, yeah. I bet those get used a bit. They well, get used quite frequently. And then uh, <laughs> 311, I'm getting the number wrong. Yeah, 33114. 33114s. 33114s. <laughs> They're all that, except there's two uh, 115s also in here, too. What's the difference between, like, the 115s are are not discrete, and also they have a fixed top end, and they have no um, no low cut or sorry, no high cut mm -hmm. filter. And also, like it's just a, a, a different couple, EQ point. A few yeah. different points. You could someone could teach a class alone on the history of Neve and the numbers and the differences, and and like how many of the numbers are actually the same like circuit, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> right. It's like oh, but it comes. It's in the gray paint instead of the blue paint or whatever, you know. With the yeah. plastic knobs, or, I don't know. If there was a class, I would I would attend it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean that would I think that would be a worthwhile class. The history of Rupert Neve and all of his products. Hey, all right. I hope you're enjoying the interview here with the Polici brothers. Just want to take a minute to tell you what's up with our friends over at Audio Technica. They have recently uh, sent us some microphones to do another comparison. They sent uh, the AT2035 and the uh, the very lovely and very, very interesting AT5040. That's the one with the four rectangular capsules. And then uh, we held on to the AT4047, which we had done some tests on and uh, made some samples. So we're going to be um, heading back over to Bird and Egg Studios after NAM and doing some recording and checking out these three microphones. They're priced at uh, three very different price points. So we'll be talking about that at that time, you know, just kind of giving a comparison between them all, seeing what they sound like, seeing what they sound like on different instruments. You know, it's kind of an attempt to 
tell you a little bit more about them and uh, allow you to really hear the differences between them because the 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 price points are, are radically different from one another. So be an interesting conversation. So that's what's happening, you know, from our friends over at Audio Technica. And I hope you'll enjoy that when we do that. We'll get that up on the site and you can check it out. Man, this 5040 is it's really gorgeous, really cool. Anyhow, let's get back over to our interview with uh Janey and Polici here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. We talked when I got here about in-the-box workflows and, and recording in a DAW. Did you at any point consider not having a console in here? No. No, even before this thing happened, we were just talking about like getting an MCI or something or, you know, and just getting – Jay and I really weren't too stoked on on the Einstein that was in here. So that was one of the things that we're just like, oh, what about this? Just throwing around some possibilities and, and you know, what was available at the price point. You know, we never – I mean, especially coming from, from Tiny, the idea of not having a console – just didn't make any sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, what do you, how do you turn the volume up? How do you have a talk work? back, you know? Like, <laughs> Did you consider a new console at any point? No, nah, I think we're, it was definitely would have been out of our, our, our price range. Okay. I think, I, I think what, what we were looking at for, even if we could afford a console is like, like maybe $10,000, something like yeah. that. If, if we were get if we we're going in on it together, to the two of us. And so like, and that was like going to be a lot of chunk of change at the time, and so yeah, it w- I think we were at like you know an MCI six hundred series or mm. five hundred series or something like that, and new stuff. I actually don't even know really what I don't know who makes like besides like things that would be cost prohibitive, like what's out there really, you know. I'd I'd worked on a couple TOFs and stuff, and I wasn't like ever too thrilled with them enough to like to see that as like the console for a studio, um, even though they work fine, mm-hmm. not bad, but. I mean, the fact that this was a loaner, that's kind of, yeah. that's, like, that's a no-brainer. It's a total no-brainer. You guys have a lot of experience in the studio. Can you, we have a lot of students that listen to the show. So are there things that you've learned over the years that maybe you take for granted now, mistakes that you've made, knowledge about studio ownership or, or management of a studio and things that people tend to overlook and they think, oh, I'm going to put together a studio, but they don't think it all the way through. I know I've done that, but... To the people that are thinking about it, are there things that come to mind that you think, oh, yeah, you know, you got to worry about this, 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 you know, is there things that you can think of that uh, people should really think through before opening a studio? Uh, aside all, the, uh, all of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole the thing. The whole thing, man. I mean, <laughs> if you, finances aside. Yeah. No, like, no, including finances. Including finances. Jeez, uh, yeah. well, that's, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's... I think it's just really expensive, even if you're doing like a something very modest to to have a space that works well. You know, like construction materials are expensive, and even if you're you're doing it all yourself, which you probably are, it's it's I, I would say putting some research into it in the in the beginning, especially of like room design or something. I mean, you know, there's obviously fields that specialize in it and are very good at it. You know, most people like us can't afford that, so yeah. you have to figure out a way to maximize like spend the money in ways that you're not going to regret or or like we're like well we spent $5,000 on this or $10,000 or $500 or whatever the number happens to be and we have to redo it because that that was totally a bad idea putting this wall here putting this treatment here yeah. whatever it is it's just maybe 
doing a lot of research and, and or just yeah. talking to people, calling people up that yeah. do it for a living and getting suggestions and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, you know, it, it's not a shocker saying this, or it's, but it's time or money. You know, it's definitely money, but it took us four times longer to just give this room a facelift than it would have been, it would have taken if we had hired somebody. They probably would have been able to do everything in here in a week, but it took three dudes that are fumbling with power tools uh, <laughs> yeah. six weeks to get everything, you know, well, like, yeah, start I mean, to finish. So are you saying that you, in retrospect, you would have hired somebody to do this? No. Well, I mean, pff, shit, if we had the, the money to do it, but but it, it's, it takes way longer than you ever think it yeah, would. That, that, that's definitely. It's like yeah, things it's are, like making records. People no, totally. Yeah. It's going to take less time. It's like yeah, oh, can, we can, can do it all in five days. Well, let's say it's going to be seven days because yeah, then, then I would say that's doubly true with any like <laughs> studio expansion, like renovation, wiring thing. It's like oh, it should take about a day. It's probably going to take like four days, you know, and or maybe you two know, days or three days. But you know, it's it's always longer than you think. One guy had a formula for that he said was pretty reliable. He said that he estimates how long he thinks it'll take, and then he multiplies it by like two point three or something very specific. <laughs> he's he's like a really smart engineer dude, and he's like, yeah, and then that seems to be pretty accurate. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. So if you think it's going to take a week, multiply that times 2.3. <laughs> yeah. And there's your answer. Yeah. yeah. I love the the burlap in here on top of this compressed fiberglass. It's I don't know if the the camera's really showing how cool it is, but not only is it pleasant to the eye and it feels comfortable to be in here, but just out of curiosity, where where do you source that? That much burlap? <laughs> like where did uh, you get that? I think it's something like burlap.com or something, you know? <laughs> Burlapforstudios.com, of course. Well, you know, we were looking at, you know, burlap is is the cheap, the cheapest of cheap alternatives to proper, you know, like the Guilford and Maid, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Which is, I mean. This, you're saying this as an alternative to the Guilford yes, and Maid. exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and we talked to a couple people. Um, we that, called Hodas and a couple, uh, maybe. And, uh, and also one of the, um, I know one of the guys that's the, uh, technical engineers up at Skywalker. He does like the room designs and stuff. And I asked him about burlap versus like proper acoustic cloth. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine. It, it does the same. It's acoustically transparent. So that was all I needed. And, and, you know, like for what we got all of this for, we probably, and we still have, I don't know how much we have left. Like probably, quarter spool, half spool, something like that. And how much would that, that cover? That would have done this entire, oh, I think we planned for this entire room including that back corner there and then and then some some spare because we figured it would be fucking up a lot while stretching the fabric i mean that all cost a couple hundred bucks versus versus getting real acoustic cloth which would be i mean i think it's twenty dollars per yard or something like that you know it's something wow. it's really crazy they have better color options but, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then what about the wood? Is that just like off the shelf? Yeah. This is Home Depot, Home Depot redwood, redwood trim. Yeah. Wow. It worked out shockingly well. <laughs> so do you yeah. guys just go to Home Depot or, or, or a hardware place <laughs> oh and my just God. go to like walk around going, <laughs> oh, oh, and brainstorming and thinking of ideas? We, we went there so many times. It was yeah. just comical. But like. <laughs> yeah, we'd go there. Well, each of us would end up going there like once a day, independent of the others, or going back there a second time the same day during the build up but it's like oh we forgot these screws but also for oh. the for the trim like i think 
we just walked, we, we did exactly that. We walked around and like, I think this would look good. And, oh, it's cheap. Great. Mm-hmm. Wait, we can do this. And, and, and we'll show it, but you had put the cable trough as you, you had said earlier, it's kind of like, that's our. Oh, wainscoting. Wainscoting. Yeah. Right. Not true wainscoting, but. Right. But you know. almost kind of like a chair guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cloth covered from floor to ceiling. And we were talking about the electrical, about adding more conduit because um we had an electrician come in here and add a lot more tech power yeah we're like well fuck how are we going to do this that's going to be such a pain in the ass cutting through making these frames these cutouts for all this all the different wall boxes well we just get rid of it it's not really it can't be doing that much and you know luckily that one was right but we were yeah we were wrong on a couple other things um (laughs) but um, what were you wrong on (laughs) well the ceiling (laughs) okay um, so when we when we dismantled the the original control room, there were some cables that were being run in the ceiling, like up that tile coming out over here. So when we were pulling them out, I looked up there, and there was just a bunch of fiberglass thrown up there, and I couldn't figure out like there's no rhyme or reason. It's just like somebody had extra fiberglass and threw it up there, and I was like, I I thought this is terrible. If we ever need to access the ceiling, we can't without you know, like moving a bunch of fiberglass and it's all and just, on, the, on it's, the drop tiles, which is a total pain in the ass to move with like two layers of fiberglass thrown on top of it. Yeah. So then I talked to a few people and was like, Hey, what, what would fiberglass be doing acoustically? They're like, nothing really. Maybe doing maybe bass trapping. There's that too. But uh, <laughs> the bigger thing was that the ceiling itself resonated. And there's and, a big membrane. So, yeah. So, so like Jay, <laughs> made the good analogy of uh, it's like a snare head and the the fiberglass is the wallet, you know? Wow. Yeah. Did you pull it all out? Oh, yeah. Oh! <laughs> we pulled it all out. We pulled it all out. We cleaned. Like, we, we got it. Like, we spent... Like we a spent half a, a day or something like that doing it. And then at some point, I think it was five in the morning, we are in that room. and like, yeah, why does this room sound... Like, what's different about it? Then it, it just hit me. I was like, oh, my God. That's what it does. It's just... It's just dampening because there was a resonance in this room and at first we're like well we did pull out the carpet and there is wainscoting now so maybe there's something with you know there just needs to we need to fill it up and then like "Ah, it's not okay it's from the ceiling and yeah and at any point did you call eli before you pulled it out and said what did you do that for no No, because it was before them john didn't know anything he's like yeah that was up there when we when we moved in here yeah so that was an original chips davis thing you know I mean, it's a, it's a really cheap and effective solution. So now we know what that does. Yeah. <laughs> and did you did you change the lighting in here? Yeah, yeah. we just changed okay. it to it, it was still track lighting, but we just changed the actual like little the fixtures and have uh, halogen instead of the um, incandescents. Oh, well, instead of the the CFLs, I think that oh, were a lot yeah. of them. Yeah, that's so. right. Well, it's it's amazing. It really looks great in here, and thank you. I yeah. can't wait to bring a band over here. Yeah, yeah dude, I love it. Do it. That's about it. I, I appreciate you guys having me over here to, no, to do for this. This is like yeah. so fun to talk to you guys. I could really, I could do this all day. And then you'd be like, uh, Matt, are you going to leave? <laughs> no, tr- we could chit chat about this all day. Yeah. We could chit chat yeah. about this all day. I probably have more questions even when, when we turn everything off. But uh, thank you so yeah, much. Yes, I appreciate you. it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. There it is Jay and Ian Polici of New and Improved Recording here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. That was a load of fun. It was a very interesting having two people to interview. The energy, of course, is a little different because you have more people. It's, it's a little more exciting. So 
Very, very happy to have those guys on the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Want to make sure and tell you that Universal Audio, of course, is uh, once again bringing us some great deals. If you buy a satellite, UA satellite, within the next, I don't know, until March, we'll say, you can get yourself some free plugins out of that deal. I'm heading over there now, as you can hear me type on the keyboard. You'll get the Manly plugin, the Manly Massive Passive, um, the Studer, and the API when you buy a UAD2 Octo DSP accelerator card or a satellite box. So make sure you check the UA site for that and uh, follow up if you're uh, buying that stuff. Actually, it'll show up in your account. So that'll be great. Really easy to do there. Hey, we are at a time and I want to make sure that you do know that that music you're listening to, Cliff Truesdell did that and that voice at the beginning, that is our friend Chuck Smith. Cole Williams is doing a great job helping me out with audio and social media stuff. And I want to thank our sponsors, Gear Sluts, Audio Technica, Focal, and Universal Audio. And thank you again for listening. I appreciate it. Take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out.